Mark chapter 13, verses 32 to 37. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he suddenly come and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. This is the word of God. All right, let's, uh, let's pray once more. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for gathering us this morning and for this chance now to hear from your word. Thank you for these words that are not just simply words on a page, but they are words of life that you have given to us. We pray that your spirit would give us understanding and would move our hearts uh, to grow a deeper love for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for the last month, uh, we've been reflecting on the seasons of Advent and of Christmas. Uh, Advent is a season where we are waiting for the arrival of Jesus, and it's on Christmas Day that we celebrate the fact that Jesus has arrived and that he has been born. And uh, Advent also is a reminder, and it's a season where we are waiting for Jesus's second coming uh, when he comes again. And the different sec- and there are different sections of the Bible that give us uh, instruction and guidance and insight into uh, that time of when he will return. And so we're going to look at this uh, short passage in the Gospel of Mark uh, in, chap- in chapter 13. And, and it's in this short passage that Jesus, he invites us to, to wait for his second coming. Uh, and he asks us to do so in three different ways. So we're going to look at uh, Jesus invites us to wait with trust. Secondly, Jesus invites us to wait with diligence. And then lastly, Jesus invites us to wait with joy. Uh, so first, Jesus uh, invites us to wait with trust. Now, at this point in the Gospel of Mark, uh, Jesus has entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and then he takes time to interact with various religious leaders. And then here in chapter 13, uh, Jesus and his disciples, they've now gone outside of the city to the Mount of Olives, and it's there that the disciples ask him uh, about his second coming. Uh, In verse 4, they ask, tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Now, to some degree, the disciples, they ask Jesus a a very reasonable question. They're being true disciples here by wanting to ask their teacher for more information. At the same time, I, I wonder if the disciples are asking this question with a little bit of nervous energy because uh, Jesus' second coming, it's this complete unknown 
Uh, no one knows what, what to really expect. And, and for, for many of us, uh, living with uncertainty, it's hard. Right? To wait for something that we have no control over uh, when, when the future is unclear, uh, when we're not really sure what to expect, uh, those can be really hard and uncomfortable situations. Some years ago, uh, the New York Times, they, uh, in their op-ed section, they published a column on the topic of anxiety. Uh, after the final essay was published, one reader left this comment. People view me as laid back and calm, but inside is a vortex of nervous emotions that has ruined personal relationships, prevented me from uh, dealing with problems, and kept me from reaching my full potential. I keep myself busy all the time. I book my calendar full of events, parties, meetings, trips, anything to solidify the future in some way. I tell people it's because I can't sit still. I get bored, I have ADD. But in reality, it's because I need to know what's next. I need to know what to anticipate, what I can count on and predict. The open future terrifies me. Now, does this describe some of us? Where there's this inner vortex of nervous emotion. Does the open future terrify you? You know, with the new year, uh, upon us, many of us were, were hoping for a fresh start. But at the same time, we could be anticipating the new year with some level of anxiety and worry for what's ahead because it's all unknown. Waiting with uncertainty, it's, it's really hard. And so in response to the disciples' question, Jesus, he answers them in verse 32. Uh, he says, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, I, I wonder if the disciples, when they heard this from Jesus, they had a moment of whiplash. Right? They're asking their, their teacher and their mentor for guidance, for clarity, and his response is, I don't know. But if Jesus is truly the Son of God, how is it that there is something he does not know? Throughout the, the different uh, gospel accounts, we see the writers, they emphasize uh, Jesus' divinity. So we see that when we read about the story of the virgin birth how at his baptism, he is declared God's son. And all the various miracles that Jesus performed, right? Those are the moments where we see the writers emphasizing Jesus's divinity. And there are other times where these same writers, they emphasize his humanity. He was not only the, the, the son of God, but he was also a human. So when he was young, we, we read how Jesus is someone who grew in wisdom and in stature. After being tempted by Satan in the wilderness, uh, the angels came and ministered to him. 
And here in verse 32, he says that he does not know the exact timing of when he will return. But what, what always has been true of Jesus whenever his humanity is being emphasized is that he fully trusts, he fully follows the will of the Father. There, there's never a moment where he questions what the Father wants of him. Notice in Jesus' response that he doesn't simply say, yeah, I don't know the details of my second coming, so we're kind of all in trouble here. No, he says he, he doesn't know. Neither do the angels know, but there is someone who does know, and that is God the Father. And so Jesus he's, has always trusted the plans of the Father, and the Father has always followed through. So even in the midst of perhaps some nervous energy by the disciples, Jesus, he's not trying to pile on more anxiety onto them. He's actually trying to do the exact opposite. He's telling his disciples and all of us that even he, in his humanity, is waiting with uncertainty. And in his humanity, Jesus, he shows us to trust, to wait with trust. And so if the Son of God can wait with trust, then certainly we can wait with trust too. But if we're invited to trust God while we wait for Jesus to come back, well, does that mean that we can just sit back and relax and just do whatever we want? But while Jesus invites us to wait with trust, he also invites us to wait with diligence. That moves us to our second point. So in verse 32, uh, sorry, verse 33, Jesus says, Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Now, to illustrate what waiting with diligence looks like, Jesus, he gives us this mini parable. And in this parable, the owner of the house has left, and the servants are to continue working diligently. But the owner isn't some oppressive tyrant. And Jesus, he gives us some clues in this passage. In verse 34, Jesus says that the owner puts his servants in charge. Or another way that we could translate this is that they've been given authority. And so this means that the owner fully trusts his servants with everything that he owns. And that's how he's able to, to leave and put them in charge of everything that belongs to him. And because the servants are in charge and have this authority from the owner, it means that their work is of major significance and of importance. And I think the implication for, for us is that what we do in our day-to-day, -day, no matter what it is, it has eternal value because God has entrusted us with everything that belongs to him. And so for any of our youth students who are here today, going, going to school, doing your homework, taking tests, 
those things have eternal value. For those that, that work, even if there are days that come that are just filled with drudgery, being faithful and diligent in your work has eternal value. And for those that are parents, the, the daily work of getting your kids ready in the morning, the mad rush at the end of the day, even being present for a meltdown. All that you do has eternal value. And so God has given us work to do that is of eternal value, and so he invites us to wait with diligence. And there's a specific work that he's called us to do. Uh, Notice what Jesus says in verse 34. So the owner leaves home, puts his servants in charge, each with his work. So each servant has work to do, but it's not just any work, right? They're left in charge of his work. So all of us, we've been given specific roles, responsibilities, certain callings that are uniquely fitted for each of us, whether it's being a friend, a manager, a sibling, a neighbor, an educator, a parent, a mentor, a musician, a healthcare provider, a son or a daughter. We all have certain callings that are uniquely fitted for us. But things get hard when our, when our different callings, they're not prioritized rightly. And, and also when the different callings that we have in our lives, that they, they start to grow in tension with one another. You know, there, there was one Sunday when I was sitting next to Celine, and she's, she's noticing my, my name tag. And, and so I ask, Celine, what letters do you see? And she says, T-I-M. And then I ask her, what does that spell? And she's like so confident and enthusiastic. And she says, Daddy! And it's moments like these that remind me that the work that I do as a pastor, it's very important. But it's not as important as my role as a father to Celine and to Judah. You know, I think I could say with some level of confidence that, that both Celine and Judah, they could kind of care less if I'm a pastor or not. Because when they see me, they don't see a pastor. They see their father. And so my regular challenge is really to make sure that these different callings that I have in my life, uh, they are rightly ordered. And so as we enter this new year, maybe this is a good time for us to take a step back and to see how, how have we been faithful and diligent in the different callings that God has given to us that are unique to us and also to discern and, and evaluate if, yeah, are these things rightly ordered too? And so with respect to Jesus' second coming, he invites us to wait with trust and also to wait with diligence. But there, there are times where trusting and being diligent, it can get exhausting and tiring. 
right? To trust in the midst of uncertainty, it gets hard. To always be diligent and faithful, it's not the easiest thing for any of us to do. And so how can we wait well, especially in those times when it's difficult? Well, Jesus not only invites us to wait with trust and to wait with diligence, but he also invites us to wait with joy. And that moves us to our last point. Verse 35 says, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Now, Jesus, he gives this command to stay awake or to keep awake uh, four different times in the span of six verses in our passage. And any time there's this kind of repetition when you're reading the Bible, it should make us pause and to consider what is the point that is trying to be communicated here. So when we hear this repeated command uh, to stay awake, we could hear it in different ways. Right? It might come off as, as a warning, as if God is saying, I better not find you asleep when I return. Or maybe it comes off like God's nagging. Right? He's nagging us not to doze off. So he just continues to repeat the command. In some ways, how we interpret the command it completely depends on how we see the person giving the command. A few weeks ago, it was a, a really cold morning, and after I dropped off Judah at school, uh, I was talking with my mom, and one of the first things that she asked me is, am I wearing a scarf? Because she's worried that I'm gonna get sick. And then she asked me, are you wearing gloves? And, and I tell her, I'm fine, because I have a really warm jacket, and, and I'm just naturally somebody who's warm. But she keeps insisting that I should wear a scarf, I should wear gloves. And then I tell her, you know, it's, I just don't want to deal with wearing a scarf and gloves, because it's another thing to have to worry about, and what if I lose these things, right? I just don't want to worry about these, these things. But she keeps insisting that I wear a scarf and I wear a glove. And I'll be honest, all I could hear in that conversation was my mom nagging at me. But if I take time to pause and to just take a step back, Instead of hearing nagging advice, I will hear the voice of a loving mother who wants to care for her child. So how we interpret the command, it completely depends on how we see the person giving the command. So Jesus invites us to wait with joy because the one giving the command to stay awake is not a tyrant who's wanting us to work 24-7 with no breaks. The one giving the command to stay awake is not someone who's trying to nag us and bother us to no end. Jesus invites us to wait with joy because the one giving us the command to stay awake 
as a loving God who doesn't want any of us to miss out on the glorious return of Jesus. Throughout the Bible, there are these wonderful images of Jesus' return as this most incredible wedding celebration. And Jesus is coming back for the church, for his bride, and he doesn't want any of us to miss out on that celebration. And so waiting for his return can be full of joy because we can't wait for him to come back. And so when we hear the command to stay awake, what if we heard it from a father who loves his children? And how can that be? Because in the story of Advent, the story of Christmas, these stories have rewritten our stories. Before Jesus, the story that we were living in was one where we were under judgment and condemnation because of our sin and our brokenness. The command to stay awake was one of judgment, was one of terror, because it meant that judgment was coming for all of us. But Jesus' arrival that first Christmas meant that the command to stay awake can change from words of terror to words of affection. The command to stay awake is no longer stay awake because judgment is coming. The command to stay awake is no longer words of terror because Jesus received and he took the punishment, the judgment, the condemnation that we all deserved. And so the command to stay awake is now, stay awake, because I don't want you to miss out on what's coming, and it's going to be glorious. And so instead of waiting with terror, Jesus invites us to wait with trust. The Father knows all things. His plans are perfect, they're beautiful, and they are good. Even Jesus, in his humanity, isn't anxious about the unknowns of his return because he trusts his Father. So if Jesus can trust the Father in times of uncertainty, uh, he invites us to trust too. And instead of waiting with terror, Jesus invites us to wait with diligence. God has entrusted us with everything that belongs to him. He placed us in charge to live out the unique callings that he's given to each of us. And our callings, they have eternal value. And instead of waiting with terror, Jesus invites us to wait with joy because he has rescued us from all judgment, from all condemnation. He transformed this command, stay awake, from words of terror to words of affection. And so as we enter into this new year, may we wait for Jesus. And we, may we do so with trust and diligence and with joy. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this good news 
God, we thank you that we are no longer under judgment and condemnation because that first Christmas morning, Jesus came to our world to rescue us from the judgment that was ours to be deserved. Thank you that through the cross, that in his life and his death, he received what was supposed to be ours, but he is resurrected, he defeated death, and there's no longer terror upon us, but there is love and affection and delight. And so God, as we wait for Jesus to return, and oh, we do wait, and oh, we do long for him to return. May we know that we can trust in you, for you know know all things. May we diligently work faithfully with all that you've given to us, that it would witness to the world of how wonderful you are, and that we would do so with joy, knowing that we, we can't wait for this glorious and wonderful celebration. So God, help us to wait well by the power of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.